From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, October 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. We await U.S. jobs data as stocks try to avoid a three-day slide. Fed officials overwhelmingly push back against the idea of cutting rates next year. The trial between Elon Musk and Twitter gets delayed and hopes the deal will close. And oil poised for a big weekly rally after OPEC's announced cut. The judge's ruling is a blow to New York State's new gun law, plus an NYPD cruiser crashes on to a sidewalk injuring 10 people. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower. The Colts beat the Broncos in overtime. The Mets and Padres begin their wild card playoff series tonight at City Field. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Learn why the world's most sophisticated wealth management and institutional firms rely on Pershing to help them improve profitability, create efficiency, attract talent, and manage risk at Pershing.com. And U.S. futures are a little change this morning. It's 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures, that'll change this morning. Now futures up 62, and NASDAQ futures down 29. And this data check brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. Karen, let's begin with talk from the Fed. Central bankers are coming out in full force to talk down expectations of a turn to more dovish policy. We heard hawkish comments from no less than five officials yesterday, including Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. Until I see some evidence that underlying inflation has solidly peaked and is hopefully headed back down, I'm not ready to declare a pause. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says he expects losses and failures around the global economy as we transition to a higher interest rate environment. Likewise, Fed Governor Christopher Waller says he sees no sign of a Fed pivot either this or next year. I anticipate additional rate hikes into early next year, and I'll be watching the data carefully to decide the appropriate pace of tightening as we continue to move into more and more restrictive territory. Fed Governor Christopher Waller emphasized the need to fight inflation. We heard similar remarks from Cleveland Fed Chief Lorena Mester, Fed Governor Lisa Cook, and Chicago's Charles Evans yesterday. Well, we take a look at markets now, Nathan, and U.S. stock index futures are little changed. The hawkish Fed talk and some weak earnings from chipmakers are hitting sentiment. And Jessica Beamer is Portfolio Manager with Easterly Investment Partners. I think we all have to understand that um, we're only going to get early hints of the Fed's full impact. A lot of the efforts that they've put out there are obviously huge increases in the interest rate, but that takes time to work its way through the economy and certainly on the jobs numbers that we're going to see. 
Jessica Beamer with Easterly Investment Partners says Fed policy could start hitting earnings in the coming months. The jobs report is the key event on the agenda today. Karen, we get the employment figures for September at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. And here with a preview is Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. Employment is one of the Fed's two mandates, and this jobs report will be one of the key numbers as policymakers decide on a rate hike next month. What they'd like to see is job growth in the neighborhood of the Bloomberg consensus, which would suggest the economy is slowing but not crashing. Unemployment is also key. No change is expected, but historically a jump in the jobless rate is a sign of recession ahead. Stronger job creation or lower unemployment would suggest the Fed will push interest rates higher for longer, disappointing investors. A consensus-like report would turn attention to next week's Consumer Price Index, a final decision point for the Fed. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Mike, thanks. Stick with us all morning for live coverage of the September Jobs Report, plus a conversation with Marty Walsh. We speak with the U.S. Labor Secretary coming up at the 9 a.m. hour on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Nathan, we turn to oil now, and we're seeing crude head for its biggest weekly gain since March. After sliding on concerns over a global slowdown, oil has rallied since OPEC announced plans for a large production cut. And checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil is up nine-tenths of a percent at $89.21 a barrel. Brent is up eight-tenths of a percent at $95.17. Now let's get to the latest on Elon Musk and Twitter, Karen. There is uncertainty creeping into Musk's plans to buy the company. Afterward, his offer is contingent on a $13 billion debt financing. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow has more. The concern is that Musk has this $12.5 billion of debt split between a $6.5 billion loan, $3 billion of unsecured, $3 billion of secured bonds. There's also a revolving credit line in there. Times have changed since that deal and that package was agreed in April. And so I guess the concern in the background is the viability of that debt. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow says a judge is halting the court case to allow the deal to close. She says if the transaction isn't done by 5 p.m. October 28th, new trial dates will be set for November. Now, shares of Twitter rose in late trading yesterday. Right now, they are a little changed. And sticking with corporate news now, Nathan, we're seeing possible signs of a bigger downturn in tech. Chipmakers are warning of slowing demand. Samsung and AMD reporting earnings within hours of each other that widely missed estimates. The numbers come after Micron Technologies slash spending and output in hopes of stabilizing plunging prices. And Amazon's abandoning its home delivery robot, Karen. Just the latest cut to its experimental projects. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has that story. It is the latest sign that the e-commerce giant is starting to wind down experimental projects amid slowing sales growth. According to a source, work on Scout, an autonomous machine launched about three years ago, has already been halted. An Amazon spokesperson said the Scout team was being disbanded and would be offered new jobs in the organization. A source says about 400 people were working on the project globally. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Let's talk politics now. In the conflict in Ukraine, President Biden weighed in on the war at a fundraiser in New York, expressing concern over Vladimir Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons. Biden called the threats real and says the U.S. is trying to find an off-ramp for Putin. Biden warns that if Putin deployed nuclear weapons, it could lead to Armageddon. Now, the president's also making announcements back here at home, Karen. Earlier in the day, he announced a pardon for any American convicted of simple marijuana possession under the law. Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. President Biden's also urging governors to issue similar pardons for state offenses involving marijuana. S&P futures are down one point right now. Dow futures are up 42. NASDAQ futures are down 42 points. Ten-year treasuries down 4.30 seconds, yield 3.84%. NYMEX crude up nine-tenths percent at 89.21 a barrel. 
Bitcoin right around $20,000. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it is now 6.07 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. It is heavy both ways of the Whitestone Bridge with an accident, Queensbound. Details count up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Authorities in New York City say 10 people were injured, including two young children, when a police cruiser collided with another vehicle and crashed onto a sidewalk. It happened yesterday afternoon in the Bronx at Westchester and Ho Avenues. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre said the patrol car was responding to a call and trying to get around a vehicle at an intersection when the crash happened. The officers crossed over the double yellow line to go around the vehicle, but the vehicle made a left-hand turn, at which point the the department vehicle and the the civilian vehicle, they clipped each other. The NYPD's Jeffrey Madre says there are no major injuries. Officials in New York are looking at their next options after a federal judge struck down the state's new law banning guns in certain public places. The law was created in response to a Supreme Court ruling striking down another New York law that restricted who could own a gun. An extremist group leader is now the first to plead guilty to seditious conspiracy in the January 6th attack. A senior member of the Proud Boys admitted to planning a violent assault on the Capitol days before the January 6th insurrection. Jeremy Bertino has agreed to cooperate with federal investigators. A gruesome crime on the Las Vegas Strip where police say eight people were stabbed in an unprovoked attack. At least two of the victims died. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Deputy Chief James LaRochelle. That stabbing occurs quickly, and then the suspect subsequently uh, goes southbound on the sidewalk area and stabs additional victims, uh, five victims there. And, um, uh, and there was an additional victim on the south side of Sands also. Deputy Chief La Rochelle says the suspect is in custody. Human rights and democracy worldwide were at the heart of this year's Nobel Peace Prize. The winners are a jailed Belarus activist, a Russian human rights organization, and a Ukrainian civil liberties group. Barrett Reese Anderson is the chair of the Norwegian Nobel Committee. Alice Bialyatsky was one of the initiators of the democracy movement that emerged in Belarus in the mid-1980s. Bialyatsky, the Russian Group Memorial and the Ukrainian Organization Center for Civil Liberties will share the prize. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Michael, thanks. Almost 6.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stasha. Thanks, Nathan. It's the game the Mets did not want to play, did not think they were going to have to play for most of the season, but they finished tied for first with Atlanta, who won the season series 10-9, to and thus the Braves sitting home today. And the Mets getting ready to play game one of a best-of-three wildcard series at City Field with San Diego. Max Scherzer will be on the mound for the Mets. You're just anxious to get out there. You're anxious to go out there and compete. Uh, you know, everything's on the line. Win or go home. Um, you know, that's the attitude you have to have. You have to win. I mean, you get in the postseason, and every day feels like a must-win day, you know, must-win game, um, whether it's an elimination game or not. You, you always show up to the park like, we got to win today. Hugh Darvish starts with the Padres, who won the season series with the Mets 4-2. to The game tonight, 
comes after three day games, starting with Tampa Bay and Cleveland. The winner of that series then faces the Yankees. The Phillies play in St. Louis. Seattle is in Toronto. NFL in Denver went to overtime. There were 12 punts, 10 sacks, four interceptions, and no touchdowns. Indianapolis kicked four field goals. The Broncos had three. Indy held on at the end, won 12-9 to get its second win of the year. Denver dropped to 2-3. and three. Russell Wilson has struggled with his new team. Landon Collins back with his old top team, three-time Pro Bowl safety. While with the Giants, he then signed as a free agent with Washington. Collins was unsigned, and though he won't play Sunday, he did fly with his new teammates to London for Sunday's game with Green Bay. Preseason last night, Islanders beat the Devils 5-2. to two. Season starts next week. And at Barclays, the Nets got blown out by the Heat. Miami won by 29. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. S&P futures now up one point. Dow futures up 64 now. Uh, NASDAQ futures still lower by 30 points. Ten-year treasuries down 330 seconds, yield 3.83% ahead of September payrolls. We preview the jobs numbers next with Bloomberg's Michael McKee. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, pleasant today, high near 75 degrees. Lots of sunshine tomorrow, but it's going to be cooler, only near 60. We'll get into the low 60s by Sunday. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures. Well, they are, they've been moving around a bit this morning. S&P futures were a little changed and now they're lower again ahead of the latest payrolls report. Investors will be looking for clues on the monetary policy path. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures now down about five points. Dow futures remain higher up 23 and NASDAQ futures are down 50. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 4.30 seconds, yield 3.84%. The yield on the two-year, 4.27%. NYMEX crude oil is up nine-tenths of a percent, up 79 cents at $89.24 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent, or $4 at $17.16, 80 an ounce. The euro, 0.9796 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1201. And the yen, 144.92. And looking at Bitcoin, it's down six-tenths of a percent at $19,900. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. President Joe Biden says the risk of nuclear Armageddon is at the highest level since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. President Biden's comments come as Russian officials speak of the possibility of using tactical nuclear weapons in the eight-month invasion of Ukraine. A jailed Belarusian human rights advocate won the Nobel Peace Prize this year, along with two organizations that protect civil society in Russia and Ukraine. Alice Bialatsky from Belarus Memorial of Russia and Ukraine Center for Civil Liberties were awarded the prize today. In baseball, the Mets and the Padres start their wild card playoff series tonight. Thursday night football, the Colts beat the Broncos 12-9 in a game where no touchdowns were scored. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan.
Thanks, Michael. 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we keep score on this labor market, we get some very key numbers in just a couple hours here with the release of the September payrolls report. Ahead of that, we're joined this morning by Bloomberg Global Economics and Policy Correspondent Michael McKee. Mike, good morning. Of course, the Fed is trying to soften this labor market. What kind of evidence of that softening are we expecting? Are we going to get it this morning? Well, to answer the second question first, I don't know. Um, uh, there you go. We'll find out at 830. Uh, but uh, what they're looking for is a slowdown in the pace of hiring, not a collapse, but a slowdown. And the Bloomberg consensus for 255,000 jobs would meet that target. They do think it'll take a little bit longer for the unemployment rate to start going up because they're are so many job openings that people who lose their jobs can find another job. Uh, one interesting thing to watch today will be whether we see any kind of similar uh, move into the labor force. We got 786,000 people who came into the labor force in August, which is an extraordinary number. Um, I don't think that will happen again, but if we do see that, that could push the unemployment rate lower. Now, because we have, of course, seen some pretty up, big upside surprises on payrolls in the last couple of months here, is that a possibility still that we could uh, get an outsized uh, payrolls number this morning? Definitely a possibility, and there is a feeling among some on Wall Street that that's what we're going to get. Uh, they see strength in, in a lot of the uh, numbers that uh, go into your guess about what payrolls are going to be. That would probably scare the pants off the markets, though, because then they start with the theme of the Fed higher for longer. It depends on how much it is. We have seen payrolls come in higher than forecast for the past five months, but they have sequentially, for the most part, been down in, in four of the five months. So if that continues, uh, then the Fed is happy, even if it's a little bit above 255. But if it's a lot, if we go well into the threes, then uh, there is going to be concern that the Fed's medicine isn't working yet. Yeah, the medicine, of course, is to get inflation down. But, of course, the Fed also has a dual mandate of price stability and maximum employment. It's a tricky balance for this Federal Reserve to strike. It is. And the hard part for the Fed is this is a labor market that has been very tight and companies have still been looking for workers. Now, we're starting to see some of the job vacancies go away and some companies are putting any hiring plans on hold. But there are still a lot of companies, particularly in leisure and hospitality, who haven't been able to fill all the jobs that they had coming out of the pandemic who might still be looking to add workers. So there is a danger that we could see stronger than expected job growth. And that raises the possibility of stronger than expected wage growth as well. Is that something else you're looking out for? That's something else we're watching. The Fed, of course, wants to see uh, the average hourly earnings on a year-over-year basis start to fall back a little bit, not because they don't want you to get paid, but they don't want a wage price spiral. And uh, they think that the 5% level, we're at 5.2% annually uh, last month, uh, is unsustainable. If you get to 3%, then that's a sustainable level and it would fit with the level of inflation they're trying to get to. So they'll be watching that as well. And with labor markets still tight, it's very possible we see that exceeded. 
Now, we have, at least at an individual company basis, heard a number of reports of layoffs coming in. Is that something that we could see play out in the data? We've got about a minute left here. Probably not. Uh, so much. The number of companies who uh, lay off people every month is very large. We see a big churn in the labor force. It's the net number that matters. And we haven't seen huge layoffs. We've just seen some, as you say, individual companies letting people go. More companies have said perhaps that they're not going to add anybody, but not uh, not fire anybody. That's kind of the next stage of things, which we might not see until next year. Thanks, Mike. We'll let you go get your Wheaties. We know you'll be busy in the next couple hours here when those numbers come down. 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Bloomberg Global Economics and Policy Correspondent Michael McKee will be back with us on Bloomberg Radio and Television to break down those numbers. And we will have analysis for you throughout the morning, including reaction from Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. She's going to join us in the 9 a.m. hour following the release of September payrolls. Tune back in for that conversation here on Bloomberg Radio, or you can watch it, as we say, on Bloomberg Television. Looking ahead to the market open, mixed action. S&P futures down five points. Dow futures up 22. NASDAQ futures moving lower, down 51 points. And the 10-year Treasury is down 5.30 seconds, yield 3.84%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak on this Jobs Friday morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a high near 75 degrees to end this week. It's going to be cooler, still sunny for the weekend. High near 60 tomorrow, low 60s on Sunday, 61 right now in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. S&P futures, little change this morning ahead of the September jobs report. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. U.S. futures are trading mixed right now with Dow futures higher by 38 points. Like you said, S&Ps are a little changed. NASDAQ futures are lower by 38. The U.S. 10-yield at 3.84%. Gold is down three. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is lower by half a percent. Hong Kong fell one and a half percent overnight while European markets are quiet this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at the 30, the September jobs report and at 10 o'clock wholesale inventories. After the bell last night, AMD's preliminary earnings fell short of expectations by more than a billion. Shares are down 5.5 percent pre-market. And in other news, Credit Suisse aims to buy back three billion worth of debt. Wrapping things up, Goldman Sachs was raised to outperform over at KBW. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thanks. And to your live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden said the U.S. is trying to find an off-ramp for Russian President Vladimir Putin and worries his threats to use tactical nuclear weapons are real and could lead to Armageddon. Biden made his comments at a fundraiser in New York City. This year's Nobel Peace Prize has been awarded to jailed Belarus rights activist Alice Bialatsky, the Russian Group Memorial, and the Ukrainian Organization Center for Civil Liberties. In baseball, the Mets and the Padres start their wildcard playoff series tonight. Thursday night football, the Colts beat the Broncos 12-9 in the game 
where no touchdowns were scored. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. And we turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, whose NJII unit has joined with pharmaceutical giant Merck to establish the Merck Digital Sciences Studio to support drug discovery and development. More at NJIT.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Strong winds carried extreme heat from the western U.S., Canada, and the Atlantic Ocean over Greenland in September, bringing average temperatures more than 8 degrees Celsius above the 30-year average and causing record ice melt. Almost all of Greenland experienced the highest average temperatures in any month of September, peaking in early September since records started in 1979. Google will open its first data center in Japan next year as part of increasing investment in the world's third biggest economy. The new facility aims to accelerate the operation of Google Tools and Services, supporting economic activity and jobs, and connect Japan with the rest of the global economy. And Tesla will deliver its first semi-trucks to Pepsi. It comes five years after Elon Musk showed off prototypes. Tesla will compete with other makers of battery-powered big rigs, including relative newcomer Nikola and more established firms like Volvo. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thanks, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 650 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden's warnings of the threat of nuclear Armageddon from Russia, the president issuing a blanket pardon for marijuana convictions, Democrats reeling over the the OPEC Plus decision that threatens their midterm outlook and former President Donald Trump's super PAC now buying ads for the first time in key Senate races. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins is here now for more on all of these stories. Emily, some very stark words on Russia last night from President Biden at that fundraiser. Yeah, Biden is really saying that he's trying to find what he's calling an off-ramp for Putin. He's concerned about the Russian leader's discussion of using nuclear weapons and is trying to find some way to de-escalate that before it gets to that point. Nathan, this is a little bit different than what we've heard in the past from the Obama, sorry, from the Biden administration. We've heard National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan say last week that Putin's comments on nuclear weapons were just another similar comment in a long line of remarks he's made since February. But Biden seems to be taking the comments a little bit more seriously. Uh, we've obviously obviously seen the Russian military struggle a lot in recent weeks. And we've seen, and that could potentially lead uh, to Putin looking, re-looking at that potential threat of nuclear weapons. It seems like it's something that, that Biden's taking seriously. He's not taking off the table at this point. And it also raises real questions about exactly how uh, this, the Russian war, Russian-Ukrainian war is going to be ending at this point. The U.S. has continued to pledge uh, military assistance, funding for Ukraine. Uh, but I think there's also a, a real question as to what exactly or what comes next and, and how this ends. Yeah, I want to get into that a little bit. What are some of the potential off-ramps here, given that the war is intensifying, that Ukraine is making this counteroffensive here and continuing to get billions in aid from the U.S. and the uh, NATO allies as well? 
I mean, the U.S. does feel pretty good about how Ukraine is responding at this point because of recent victories. We've seen them nod, uh, pushing Russians out of territory that they were trying to annex, making a lot of gains in the country. And so I feel like there is a sense that things are turning in favor of the Ukrainians at this point. But of course, Russia is still in the country. They are still using attacks and they have a bit of a, a, a ways to go at this point until we see any sort of resolution for this conflict. Another of course, key thing to be watching is the sentiment within Russia. We have seen protests from the Russian people uh, concerned about the military, the draft, um, how young men are being recruited for the army at this point. And so I think those are both really big factors to keep an eye on when we consider what the future of this conflict is. Of course, as uh, geopolitics continue to intensify, we got this uh, really interesting announcement, a big move from the president on marijuana policy. Yeah, Biden has taken some big steps on marijuana. This uh, fulfills the campaign promise for him to really address this issue. And what he's done is a couple different things. The biggest one is that he's pardoned all federal offenses for simple possession of marijuana. So for the thousands uh, who uh, were charged with a federal crime, uh, convicted of a federal crime of simply just having marijuana on their person, uh, they are now federally pardoned. This impacts thousands of people. And Biden encouraged governors to do the same for state-level offenses. Uh, you know, Biden said in the statement that uh, people of color have been disproportionately arrested, prosecuted, and convicted of crimes dealing with marijuana, um, and that through this, he's, he's trying to really uh, seek to address some of those inequalities in the law. Uh, he's also called on his attorney general to review federal laws around marijuana. Now, it's not clear how long that review is going to be or what could be the outcome of it, but certainly, Nathan, we've seen a number of states go ahead, decriminalize marijuana, allow it for medical reasons, allow it for recreational reasons. And this seems to be the federal government kind of following the lead of so many states. It's hard to ignore the timing of this announcement, though, Emily, coming just a month before a midterm election. Should we talk about the politics of this move? I mean, we can absolutely talk about the politics of this vote. I mean, Biden said in his own statement that this had a large impact on people of color, on minorities. Those are groups that Democrats are very much trying to target ahead of the midterms. Uh, we, they saw in 2020 that they couldn't take uh, the Hispanic vote for granted. Uh, the black vote, of course, is a key part of the Democratic bloc, and it's a midterm. And so getting people to the polls, encouraging them to come out and to vote, that's going to be a big part of any victory that we see on election night. So certainly there, there's a little bit with the, with the timing that raises an eyebrow and kind of has people asking, you know, how much of this is is political and how much of this is actually policy. And we got some interesting timing as well on uh, former President Donald Trump stepping in with money for the first time in uh, some heavily contested Senate races in this midterm. Yeah, Trump is a prolific fundraiser, but he hasn't been quite as active financially with a lot of these uh, very competitive races. And now we see him just a couple weeks before the election starting to to put his money where his mouth has been, uh, backing candidates that he has endorsed in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Of course, that's uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, who's running for Senate, and then J.D. Vance in Ohio. Trump's book, $2.1 million in ad buys. Um, it's 
you know, kind of a, a, an overall drop in the bucket for, for what we've seen uh, going ahead and being spent. Uh, but it's Trump really making a push. And it comes at a time where Democrats are actually a little more likely uh, to win the control of the Senate. That's what we're seeing from a lot of projections, including at 538. Um, but of course, at this point, it's very close. It's still anyone's game. And we're seeing uh, Republicans get an advantage, uh, particularly in, in Pennsylvania. We had seen Democratic nominee John Fetterman have a big lead. Now we're seeing Dr. Oz cutting into that, really getting up on the air, really pushing the issue of crime. Uh, and that seems to be working out in Republicans' favor. And Pennsylvania is a, is a very key state for Democrats. It is their best opportunity to pick up a seat uh, for the Senate. Um, and that they would need to do that, uh, especially because they are defending seats uh, in states like Georgia uh, and in Nevada. Yeah. Election day is getting closer. Thanks for this, Emily. As always, Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us in Washington. Read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. You're going to want to keep it right here for the release of September payrolls out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. And reaction from Labor Secretary Marty Wall. She's going to join us in the 9 a.m. hour right here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television. Head of the market open, S&P futures are down two points. Dow futures are up 31. NASDAQ futures are lower by 44 points. Bloomberg Surveillance is next with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR Event Trader offers a new way to trade futures. Use event contracts to trade your opinion on yes or no questions in key CME futures markets. Learn more at eventtrader.interactivebrokers.com. Up first, we heard hawkish comments from no less than five officials yesterday, including Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. I fully expect that there are going to be some losses and there are going to be some failures uh, around the global economy as we transition to a higher interest rate environment. Uh, and that's the nature of capitalism. And Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the central bank is quite a ways away from pausing rate hikes. Well, likewise, Karen, Fed Governor Christopher Waller emphasized the need to bring down inflation. I believe we have tools in place to address any financial stability concerns, and we should not be looking to monetary policy for this purpose. The focus of monetary policy needs to be on one thing, fighting inflation. Governor Chris Waller says the Fed needs to continue to raise interest rates into next year. We also heard hawkish remarks from Cleveland Fed Chief Loretta Mester, Fed Governor Lisa Cook, and Chicago's Charles Evans. Well, taking a look at markets now, Nathan, U.S. stock index futures are lower following those comments, plus weak earnings from chip makers. Jessica Beamer is portfolio manager with Easterly Investment Partners. 
interest rates have really been a dominant story since mid-August, and it's created some panic in equity markets around housing, M&A financing, you know, rolling debt. I think people are really worried about kind of how those rates are going to affect individual companies. And Jessica Beamer with Easterly Investment Partners says we're only starting to get hints of the full impact of rate hikes. Well, one of those hints could come today, Karen, in the September jobs report due at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Stick with us for live coverage all morning, plus conversation with U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh live in the 9 a.m. hour on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And we have an update on Elon Musk and Twitter this morning. A Delaware judge has halted the mid-October court case against Musk to allow his deal to buy Twitter to close. And we have three winners of this year's Nobel Peace Prize. Karen Alas Bialatsky from Belarus, a Russian human rights organization memorial, and the Ukrainian rights group Center for Civil Liberties have all won the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And S&P futures are lower this morning, down six points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. It is 6.33 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with delays in the Whitestone Bridge with that accident heading into Queens. Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. An afternoon in the Bronx turned into a frightening moment. Authorities in New York City say 10 people were injured, including two young children, when a police cruiser collided with another vehicle and crashed onto a sidewalk. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre said the patrol car was responding to a call and trying to get around a vehicle at an intersection when the crash happened. Our collision investigation unit has conducted an investigation. They'll continue to talk to witnesses. They'll continue to find video. And they'll continue to piece together exactly what happened here. The NYPD's Jeffrey Madre says there are no major injuries. A federal judge struck down New York State's new law banning guns in certain public areas. The law was created in response to a Supreme Court ruling striking down another New York law that restricted who could own a gun. Now officials are concerned about guns being carried into crowded areas like Times Square. President Biden paid a visit to an IBM campus in Poughkeepsie, New York yesterday. He talked about semiconductor chips. American vanity chips. They powered NASA's first moon mission that President Kennedy inspired here in America. President Biden also emphasized creating jobs in the U.S. and lowering costs. Hunter Biden's legal team is slamming federal investigators and even accusing them of misconduct, writing it as a felony to leak information. Several media outlets, including the Washington Post, report federal agents believe they have enough evidence to charge President Biden's son with tax crimes and lying on a federal form when he bought a gun. A horrific scene on the Las Vegas Strip where police say eight people were stabbed in a string of allegedly unprovoked attacks. At least two of the victims were killed, six wounded, including several in critical condition. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Deputy Chief James LaRochelle. This is clearly a very tragic and hard to understand, hard to comprehend uh, murder investigation uh, that deeply impacts our community. Deputy Chief La Rochelle says a large knife has been recovered. A member of the Proud Boys has admitted his role in the Capitol attack. Jeremy Bertino of North Carolina pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy. Bertino has also agreed to cooperate and help federal agents with their investigation. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
almost 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has a Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. The baseball postseason begins today. The new format makes its debut. There used to be a single wild card game in each league. Now there are four best of three wild card series, including the Mets and Padres at City Field. The Mets forced into this series when they came up just short of winning the division. Pete Alonso was asked about last weekend when they got swept. In Atlanta, people look at the uh, look at the Atlanta series, uh, and they think that's the that was the determining factor. But to be honest with you, um, we we got swept by the Cubs like three weeks prior. So um, if we didn't get swept, if we had one more game, or if you look at um, I don't know the sixty some other games where it was close. Pitchers tonight: Max Scherzer, you Darvish. Sounds like the Mets. If they win tonight, will start Chris Bassett tomorrow night. Then they would have. Jacob DeGrom for either Game 3 Sunday or Game 1 next Tuesday in L.A. If they lose tonight, they would start DeGrom tomorrow. Yankees have some decisions to make on their roster for the ALDS against either Cleveland or Tampa Bay. Aaron Boone hinted that Matt Carpenter, who's been out since he broke his foot in early August, ready to return, could be used as a pinch hitter off the bench. Week 5 underway. Indianapolis won at Denver 12-9 in overtime. Colts QB Matt Ryan called this game a slog of a game. It was 12 punts. Ten sacks, four interceptions, no touchdowns. Giants are in London. Get ready to play the Packers Sunday morning, New York time. Giants just signed safety Landon Collins, who in his first game with the Giants was a three-time Pro Bowler. Only preseason, but the Nets lost at home to Miami by 29. Islanders beat the Devils. New NHL season starts next week. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. We're continuing to keep an eye on what is happening between Twitter and Elon Musk. It looks like the uh, buyout saga goes on still. Yeah, perpetually, it seems. Yeah. Um, it never quite ends. And what's interesting here is this came af- uh, during the afternoon, actually, yesterday. We got some news uh, that the deal is set to be contingent on receiving $13 billion in debt financing. Now, remember, we knew this, uh, that he was trying to have starting to have some of these financing issues. And one of the uh, reasons that Twitter shares were lower yesterday, actually, was simply the idea that does that mean that his offer for Twitter as the entire company will drop below $54.20 uh, per share? Uh, that being said... After that news, the idea that it's going to be contingent on the debt financing, which already doesn't look too rosy, you saw the stock drop about 10%. This morning, though, Nathan, uh, a little bit of whipsaw-y action, uh, if that's a word here. You do have um, the stock both in negative and positive territory in the first couple hours of, of pre-market trading. Now it's just sitting unchanged. So really keep an eye on Twitter shares. TWTR is your uh, ticker, and of course we'll give you updates throughout the hour as well. But Nathan, there's a sector that you have to keep an eye on, and it's those chip stocks, because that's where you're oh, seeing yes. some real movement really contributing to what could happen on the macro level as well. So think about uh, the likes of advanced micro devices, NVIDIA, Intel. Uh, this coming after Samsung and AMD both reported some pretty disappointing figures within just hours of each other. The issue here is, um, Nathan, I'm sure you've heard of Dow theory or, or GM theory, the idea that the economy is going to kind of take its um, indication, or I should say economists will take their indication of how the economy is doing, buy how many cars Americans are buying or how much gas they're spending or, or whatever. Uh, the new theory here is, is chip theory, which is the amount of uh, healthiness in the chip sector, just given our dependence on technology and uh, how much everything um, 
really relies on chips. So if these chip companies aren't doing well, uh, then for a lot of people on a macro basis, that signals that there is a deteriorating climate here. So AMD is one example, down about 5.6%. You have NVIDIA, NVDA, the heavyweight, down 3.2%. And, of course, Intel, INTC, down about 3% as well, Nathan. Now, uh, in our last 30 seconds here, Creedy, I have to think investors in cannabis companies have to be feeling good after what the president had to say yesterday. You know, they initially did because you did have a rally in some of those uh, cannabis company stocks. President Joe Biden pardoning thousands of Americans for possession of marijuana and ordering a review of its legal status. Once again, kind of fueling the hopes of decriminalization. But this morning, Nathan, it's a turnaround story. Tilray, T-L-R-Y, down one and a half percent. And Kronos, for example, C-R-O-N, down six tenths of a percent. So not a ton of green there. All right. <laughs> ton of green. You're welcome. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta, taking a look at stocks as a whole. Yeah, not a whole lot of green there either. S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures, touch higher, up 19. NASDAQ futures on the decline, though, down 45 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and pleasant for one more day today, high near 75 degrees. We'll stay sunny this weekend, but it's going to be cooler tomorrow, only near 60 degrees, low 60s for Sunday. 61 is our current temperature in Central Park. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. 